Welcome everybody, time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense, brought to you by Asher Strategies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Asher Sales Sense. I am here today with the CEO of Asher Strategies, John Asher, and today our topic is going to be buyer's behaviors have permanently changed sales strategies for the new reality. John, I would love to dive into this with you because I have enjoyed adapting so many, trying things out, adapting, changing, discarding. It's been exciting, actually. Right. Agree. You know, one of the, um, you know, probably the best uh, consulting firm in the world, McKinsey Global, based in New York and London and many other cities, they have done a look back at the last three downturns or recessions. There's only six lessons learned. And one of the most important lessons learned was during a downturn, always rapidly innovate new offerings, products, processes, and services. And there's great data behind that, McKinsey data. And that is the companies that did from the end of that, say, recession to the start of the next one, usually a decade, they grew at 16% per year. And the companies who did not innovate only grew at 4% per year. If you compound both of those numbers out for a decade, the difference in overall revenue, 270%, is huge, just huge. So that's one of the main lessons learned anytime you get into a big mess like we've been, like we've been in. And so a little bit of background. When the pandemic started several months later, all these um, prestigious research organizations, Gartner, Forrester, McKinsey, Wharton, Harvard Business Review, keep on going down the list, started interviewing by LinkedIn, started interviewing buyers, interviewing salespeople, interviewing CEOs, and of course, the most important interviews are with the buyers, right? How are the buyers thinking now? How are they changing their behavior? And their behavior started to change with the lack of face-to-face. And so what we've been doing is really integrating all these studies together to give our clients, because we, we really develop sales and marketing advisory services for clients. And so it gives us the ability to uh, advise them and it really started with two of them, Goldman Sachs and Lockheed, asking us, can you all put together all these studies and tell us what it means? And so now, today, we have integrated 393 studies, <laughs> which is an immense wait. amount of data. 393 studies. 393 studies in the last two years, about. So it's kind of crazy. That is. So let me give you just a couple of examples. So the buyer's use of digital commerce solutions, apps, interactive portals, is up 100%. And for the companies that develop these tools, the return on investment is very high because there's no salesperson involved. And then the buyers are buying big online without talking to a sales rep now, mainly products. So 10% will buy up to a million dollars a year per transaction without talking to a salesperson. And a third of them will buy up to a half a million. And so today, this has changed as we've gone throughout this two years, but today, 31% of the interactions between buyers and sellers is face-to-face. 32%, about the same, is remote, like we're doing right now on a Zoom-type 
a video conferencing platform. And 37% is just the buyer going right to the website or the app or the portal and buying there. That last one, of course, called e-commerce. And that one's still growing the fastest. And so when you interview buyers and say, big picture, is this digital transformation here to stay? 90% will say yes. So kind of crazy. John, where do you think it's pulling from? You say that the doing it 100% e-commerce is increasing. Is it pulling from the other two categories evenly, or is it pulling more from in-person? It's pulling mainly from in-person because we weren't too big on Zoom meetings pre-pandemic. It's not that some people weren't using them, but not much. So it's all been really mainly pulled from face-to-face. So now when you survey buyers, 94% of them, prefer now this so-called omni-channel way to buy, either face-to-face, on a Zoom call, or on a, on a website, basically. And the buyers are claiming it's made them, um, you know, more efficient, no travel costs, no in-person meetings, no meals with salespeople, and, you know, all that sort of thing. And three-quarters of the buyers are essentially saying they would rather have a Zoom call with a buyer than a face-to-face meeting. And because it's faster, it's more productive. And then the really crazy piece of data is four out of five buyers, 80%, would rather have a Zoom meeting with a buyer than a phone call. And so you might think to yourself, hmm, I wonder which is more productive, which has a higher closing rate, Zoom call with a buyer or or a phone call? It's huge. It's 127% higher, the closing rate on a Zoom call. So if you ask my salespeople these days, are you talking much to buyers on the phone? They'll say, no. No, it's really, principally, it is um, Zoom calls or go to meeting or Teams, you know, whatever the buyer wants. Some other interesting input, this is kind of intuitive, but you might not think that it was this high, and that is, 84% of the buyers now really depend on a referral from somebody they know and trust. I know you know this, Susan. Referrals have always been important, but now they're especially important. They're almost critical. And without the face-to-face, buyers are going everywhere for information. They're leaning on their peers, for example, other buyers they know in the same industry or different. And you know, pre-pandemic, any if any of us were going to buy something online and we didn't know know about the company or the restaurant or, you know, whatever it was, uh, we're going to go to Yelp and look at the reviews. So my wife and I are not going to a restaurant unless she can see the menu. And now on Yelp, in many cases, you can see the decibel level in the restaurant. Because for us, you know, we've been around for a while. We like to have a conversation. Yes. <laughs> We don't want to sit there and shout at each other over the loud music, over the poor acoustics, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. is causing it. That whole idea now, since the buyers don't have much face-to-face, has gone into B2B sales. So now buyers are actually checking on our websites, the Google reviews, the internet reviews that we've got. So they're leaning on them now. And frankly, most companies that sell B2B or B2G government don't solicit them. Right. And the buyers are also checking Glassdoor to see what your employees think about the company. And they're checking the company's LinkedIn profile. 
Now, the real interesting data that kind of comes out of all that, since the buyers have become so much more educated by doing all this research online, pre-pandemic, when you surveyed buyers, 20% were actively looking and considering new vendors. Now, it's 80%. Wow. So, 80% of your customers, Susan, are actively considering. Like that. New podcast vendors, frankly. So that's kind of crazy just all by itself. All right. Well, I had a question going back to people preferring Zoom meetings over the phone calls. Now, there's a difference, though, as you know, between a meeting and a discovery call or an initial call. Right. So between those, I'm sure for the meeting, yes, Zoom. But for a cold call or a discovery meeting... What about that? Well, so for a cold call, I've got some data on that I'll cover later. But just to look ahead a little bit, pre-pandemic, the cold calling success rate was 4%, actually 3.8. And it's been that way pretty steady for a long time. Now, post-pandemic almost, (laughs) it's 2%. Hmm. Gone way down. And now... Uh, many companies, Merrill Lynch, Bank of America, have actually banned cold calling. Their brokers for Merrill Lynch, their loan officers for Bank of America no longer make cold calls. And they've gotten it out of their um, training programs for new entry-level brokers and, and loan officers. Mm-hmm. So cold calling just ain't what it used to be. Not that it doesn't ever work, but it isn't as good as it as it as it really um, used to be, and so the really great salespeople today, I'll cover this a little bit later as well, are really relying on Sales Navigator within the LinkedIn system, and the use of LinkedIn has exploded during the pandemic. There's now 850 million LinkedIn users, and so the elite salespeople today that are the hunters, right, go get a new account. Yep. They are relying on CRM. They're relying on um, Sales Navigator. And so when you are, if you're really good at Sales Navigator, the next interaction is you're going to ask a prospect to connect. And then if they connect, it's to connect to a BC platform call in almost every case, as opposed to have a phone call. Right. Now, here's some other alarming data, actually. It's kind of crazy when you think about this, especially if you've been in sales for 35 years like, I, like I've been. So since the buyer's behavior has changed so much, more than half of the buyers, 60%, do not believe that salespeople have caught up, that they've got the new skills required to really interact with them. 70% of the buyers see no need to interact with a salesperson in person in the future. So just think about that. Three out of four buyers no longer see the need to meet with a salesperson in person. Now, here's uh, even more startling data. 60% of the buyers today are millennials or younger. So early 40s or younger. So that's 60%. When you survey them, 50% would prefer it if they never had any interaction with a salesperson in the future, in-mail, email, phone call, 
BC call face-to-face meeting ever again. That's so 50% or 60%. That's a third of the buyers who will not interact with salespeople in the future. And of course, as we go on and on, the younger people keep becoming buyers. That's going to keep going up. So I was in Toronto doing a, one of these presentations for the Vistage Group. Mm-hmm. And one of the members said, you know, my wife's a senior buyer here in Toronto. She never talks to a salesperson and never wants to. One of my sons, former Navy SEAL, hurt in Afghanistan, and so now he's working for the Navy Department. He's all recovered, but he's working for the Navy Department as a um, civilian, and he's a buyer. He says, I see no need to talk to these aerospace and defense um, salespeople. They call them BD people in government sales. I don't see any need to talk to them anymore. And he's a millennial. So that's kind of crazy numbers, really, when you think about it. A third of the buyers now, B2B and B2G government, no longer want to interact with a salesperson by any channel. It makes me sad. Actually, because it's losing the humanity of transactions and doing business because, I don't know, I enjoy there. I can think of about 10 vendors off the top of my head. I really enjoy their input. I enjoy their ongoing support, but I'm older. Right. I just, I think it's a sad thing to lose or those relationships. So then you're, everybody's just isolated, pushing buttons and accepting things and buying things and spending money. And implementing, but it's still about humans. You know, we were at a, a birthday party for one of our kind of preteen granddaughters. There was a bunch of girls, really. I think it was 13 girls. And I'm not kidding. We were at a, at a resort type of thing where you could get a spa treatment and that sort of thing. And the girls are all sitting around. We're all in a kind of a round table, that sort of thing. They're all texting each other. We're going like, what? Why don't you guys talk to each other? <laughs> Seriously, they're all just texting each other. It's like, come on. And I know my my kids, I have a 17-year-old, and I watch him. He'll put his notifications on pause when he's with his friends, which I appreciate. And they hang out, and they're all very, you know, they're smart, they're articulate, they're handsome guys, you know, and gals. And they hang out, but said, so no, we're, we'll check, check in with you later. We're visiting in person and it just like oh thank you <laughs> i feel like yeah, i did something yeah. right that they enjoy yeah. the laughter and looking at each other and talking and i hope that they never lose that desire or that skill well one of my uh, duties in life is i'm on the george washington university business school advisory board for the dean and he was telling us um two years ago that they have a new course for incoming freshmen and the name of the course is How to Have a Conversation. Wow. That's the name of the course. <laughs> I, but at least they're doing that. At least they're right. Exactly. Sad that it's needed, but people even in their own homes forget to communicate. And that is contributing to these buyer behaviors changing. People are out of practice or never had the skills on how to negotiate, how to speak, how to present, how to listen. Totally agree. All right, so now back to the buyers. When you ask them, when you ask them about the expectations for the future, yes, eight out of ten would really prefer it if the salespeople they deal with now had really deep insight into 
everything about the buyer of the buyer's company. And since everybody's online now doing research, I'm sure you've seen this data, and that is in B2B sales pre-pandemic, buyers were, pardon me, 70% of the way through their purchasing process before they reached out to their short list of, say, three or four vendors to talk to. Right. Post-pandemic now, it is 90%. So what they really want when they deal with a salesperson, they want that salesperson, frankly, to know as much as they know about the industry, about the issues, about the services and products available. And they get very frustrated with salespeople who do not know what the buyer knows the salesperson should know if they had done adequate research. And a little history, 30 years ago in business-to-business sales, salespeople usually started with a presentation. Then a couple books came out, Solution Selling, Consultative Selling, I'm sure you've heard of them. Mm -hmm. And they said, no, that's not the right approach. Build rapport first, make the buyer comfortable. Second, do a discovery process. Mm -hmm. Find out what the buyer needs. Third, offer a solution that fits. So I'm sure you've heard of this. It's been the standard now for probably 30 years. Well, now, for half the buyers, I would say, they'll say something like this. Solution selling is dead. Solution selling is dead. In other words, don't come in here and ask me a question when you get to the discovery process, what keeps you up at night? Right? You've heard that question, right? I mean, that comes across as very trite. Okay. So they get real frustrated with salespeople who really don't know what they what they, what they they really should know. Some of the other, um, and I'll just kind of end this part of it, some of the other expectations for buyers now is they really want real-time customer service. They really don't want to wait for it. And because of all the supply chain issues, they want total transparency into the product availability. And they also want a consistent purchasing process across all three of these um, channels, the face-to-face, the video conferencing, and the, and the e-commerce. Now, it's not to say that personal relationships are gone, are still important. So, for example, when you survey buyers again, three out of four consider that the personal relationship is a sign of how much a supplier really values that relationship. But it doesn't mean that you're going you're gonna to have to have the normal continuous face-to-face. So 60% now will only buy from a supplier where they've had at least one face-to-face interaction. So it's not like relationships aren't as important the buyers just don't need so many of them now. I think you hit in a great place, though, and it isn't just the buying process because it's after and supporting those clients. My favorite vendors that come to mind are the ones that have the instant chat that are actually people, the ones that are willing to answer my questions immediately, and they make me so loyal. Yeah. Exactly. T- totally agree. And so, you know, waiting for... Um, tomorrow to answer a uh, customer service question or whatever um, doesn't cut it anymore. 
right? People expect this kind of pretty much instantaneous um, response. So you can kind of sum up this whole interaction from what the buyers are telling us with some potential action items for our listeners. One would be continue to innovate. It's not too late, even now as we're coming out of the pandemic. Quick example, we came into the pandemic with six offerings. Two of those have gone away totally. The other four have been upgraded, and we have two new ones. So we've essentially changed not everything, but almost everything. Second, we want to make it easy for buyers to buy on our website because e-commerce is growing the fastest of all three channels, up to 37% now. Also, since so many of the buyers now are so much younger, consider developing an app so that buyers, when they're mobile or on travel, can still buy from us. And, of course, another one would be solicit these Google reviews. So make sure you're asking your best customers to give you a review. Probably the last one would be develop a formal referral um, generation process. Mm. So I would say 20% of our customers now only get new business from referrals. And they have a written down formal discipline referral process. Most companies don't have it. And a little teeny bit of data pre-pandemic is 86% of the Countries, five million, uh, 25 million salespeople never ask for a referral. Whoa. Kind of crazy. So there's just a, a handful of potential action items for the listeners. That last one is huge. And I guess sometimes we just think, well, of course they would refer me. No, ask. Right. <laughs> and, and once you ask and they give you one, then ask a bunch of questions so you can see whether it's really qualified or not. And then if it really is a qualified good one for you, ask them to set up a Zoom meeting for the three of you. Right. That's just a, a hint of what a good process would look like. Ooh, I, I want to see more on that. That would be a wonderful episode right there. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure it's something that Asher Strategies does regularly and helps people with. We do. John, this has been an insightful episode with good ideas and good homework follow-up for all of us that doesn't cost that much. It's some time and just think this through. Just the, the Google reviews alone and the referral package, that right there, that process, to me, those are my two favorite takeaways. And everybody listen to the previous episode because there are more details on what John was talking about today that you will want to make sure you've done and to know that you have those new skills honed. So thank you, John. You're welcome. Great to be with you, Susan. Thank you. And thank you both. That's all the time we have for today. For our listeners, be sure to subscribe to Asher Strategies Radio on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast venue. You can also ask Alexa or Siri to play Asher Strategies Radio. From now until we meet again, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ, 
consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. Go to asherstrategies.com today or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866-833-9941. 